And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big Sean January 15th was the first live MMA event of the year 2022. And now on January 16th, the greatest thing that could ever happen, the Weighing In Podcast, is here for your education and entertainment. It is Josh the Punk Thompson, who is looking down at his phone once again, trying to figure out what the hell he's going to say. We are here to talk about what happened with Calvin Cater versus Giga Chikadze. What a fucking war. That was a hell of a fight. I usually write everything out that I'm going to say beforehand, <laughs> but then my eyes are so bad I can't even read it right now. So without more light, so I'm just going to just free ball it today, buddy. Lucky you, free ball, <laughs> free ball in the whole Sunday. way, baby. Free ball Sunday, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess you know what we just got to jump right into this fight because. But before we do that, though, before we jump right into this fight, make sure you before. guys go to our YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button, as well as all of our audio platforms: iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, all of those platforms as well. Go to our Wayne and Extras channel, which is there's a link down below in our in our main YouTube channel. You can hit do that it. Link you can down do it. Below, hit that link down below. <laughs> And that will take you to our Wayne and Extras channel. You hit that subscribe button there. We do a bunch of short clips there for those of you guys who have a short attention span like Josh Thompson. So enjoy. Enjoy this uh, show. We're going to have some fun on this one, man. There's a lot to talk about, John. A lot to talk about. We just had Henry Cejudo on. There's a lot of stuff going on with, with Henry's uh, making C. waves. Henry's making He's waves. He's like the tsunami that just happened in Tonga. Yeah, but he's on, the tsunami is only about five one, <laughs> but it's it's a it's still a tsunami. It's, it's a still tsunami, a tsunami. Baby. People don't realize those things are pretty big. All right, anyways, let's get into this. Uh, let's get into this bad boy. What do you guys think? Let's go right into the main event. Let's talk about it. Let's get down. Let's break it down. Let's do what we do best, John. We do this better than any other podcast in the business. I can tell you that right now. John will give you the full breakdown, and I'll just sit here and take credit for it. Okay, let's go. <laughs> I love it. But dude, speak all right, speaking of tsunamis, that is what you saw in this matchup because what you see with a tsunami is not the size of the wave. Everyone thinks it's all oh, this massive thing. It's the flow. It is the volume that comes with it and it just is unrelenting and that's what made Calvin Cater the winner in this fight. It was that flow, that forward pressure the ability to walk through what Giga was able to put down and to take away one of his biggest tools by crushing the space. He crushed the space on him, and by crushing that space, he made Giga a boxer instead of a kickboxer. He took away one of his biggest tools, one of his, you know, the, the arsenal that's there is incredible as far as the kicks he has. He couldn't use them. There was too much pressure. He couldn't get his footwork in. And it was also that switching of the stance every time that Calvin Cater switched into a southpaw stance, you saw Giga freeze for a moment and have to try to adjust, and it just took him out of a flow. Calvin Cater showed what intelligence does in a fight. A guy can be stronger, a guy can be faster, a guy can have more tools. It doesn't matter as long as you are the more intelligent fighter and you put the entire elements that are part of MMA. We talked about it, you know, when we were going to talk about this fight, Josh, we talked about, look, Calvin Cater is the complete mixed martial artist, and, and he has to be that to beat Giga. 
Not too sure that he listened completely because he did it in the first round with his wrestling. Kind of got away from it for a little bit, but he, then he kept going back to you know working for takedowns at times. And all of that upsets the flow of Giga. It upsets his timing. And that was the difference in the fight. He just could not get his head above water. The pressure was too much. John, I'm going to tell you that I believe, okay, well, let, first, let, let me preface this by saying, look, in the beginning, when we talked last week, we talked last week on Saturday when we talked just the main event, and then we also on Tuesday or Wednesday when it dropped, we talked about this main event and how Cater needed to get it done. What he, The way he needed to get it done was to threaten the takedown. Didn't mean he needed to get it, yep. but he needed to threaten it. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it was obviously in his mind to get the takedowns, but in reality, Giga gave him that first takedown, which changed the dynamic of the whole fight. When he slipped and fell and Cater rushed to it, jumped, he jumped from oh, yeah. three or four feet away to get to the back and lock his hands. He was able to get the body lock and then get the takedown. The fight changed right from that moment because like you were saying, you and I were texting back and forth, that fight was going Giga's way and it was oh, going to continue. Sharp. It was going to continue to go that way until that takedown occurred. I'm just, I believe that because... Cater, if he would have continued to fight the rest of the way he was fighting, I think he would have been in a lot of trouble in that second and third round. Or, sorry, in that first and second round with the speed, the accuracy of Giga's kicks. His power was definitely evident. He had more power than, than Cater, as the, definitely as the fight early in the fight. Early in the he fight, had yeah. more power. And even throughout the fight, he had more power. Like, I was listening to some of the commentary. I didn't listen to all of it throughout most of the fight and most of the other fights. But I did turn it up during the, the main event. And Dom did bring up a good point, is that he was fighting a little bit more like the Nate Diaz style of fighting. He was walking you down, crushing the space, staying in that phone booth, and he was boxing you. You know, when he and we knew he was going to box, but I said he had to threaten the takedowns to really take away Giga's kicks and also to take away his length and his reach of his jab and his power, and his power shots, using that straight punches and those kicks and hiding behind that from such a far distance. Cater needed to get rid of that. And the way he did that was by fighting like a Nate Diaz-style fight. He fought in that phone booth. He walked him down. He didn't throw a lot of power shots, didn't make himself tired, and he just pieced him up. Small little combinations that didn't really, a lot of them didn't really land, but he was throwing. The uppercut kind of landed every, every once in a while. The spinning elbows definitely found their mark. Yes, and they then did. there was a lot of other good things, a couple good knees in the middle there. Nothing really landed really super clean. The elbows were on point throughout the whole night. That was definitely the difference. As the blood started to trickle, Giga started to slow down. But I really got to go back to the first round, John. The first round changed the dynamic of how that fight was fought by Giga. And you had said this a while back, and I was like, ah, how bad? Like, how much does that really make a difference? It made a lot of difference when he fought Edson Barboza. He knew that Edson Barboza was never going to try to take him down. And you saw the Giga that could fight on the feet, and he is the better kickboxer. Yep. But in this fight, once Cater got that first takedown, it changed how Giga fought the second round, the third round, the fourth. He was a little bit slower and everything because he was concerned about the takedown. He stuffed almost every other takedown after that. I think there was one at the end of the fourth round, I think. Yeah, that, was, that in the fifth round, but come on. Yeah, yeah, that in the fifth round. But I'm saying that was more of a drop, right? He dropped yeah. him, I think. Yeah. yeah. But at the end of the fourth round, they got into a little exchange. He got the takedown. He started hitting him against the fence until the bell rang. Yep. That was great. That was a great work. But the rest of the takedowns, he really, he really didn't get any. But he he made him think about Absolutely. them. And that split second is what is hesitant to let your hands go and also crush the distance. If, you, if I'm threatening the takedown like Cater was, 
Giga's a little bit more hesitant because he's got to worry about his hands either being up or being down. And he want, definitely didn't want to get taken down because he knew he would have lost the round had he got taken down. He looked lost on the ground against Calvin Cater. He looked lost, John. Nothing. Pushing off the face, turning his back. I mean, if Calvin had had a little bit more time, I think, in that first round, he could have potentially have got him out of there. That's what I thought. I mean, that's... You put you put Giga, don't get me wrong, I think he's a phenomenal fighter. He's tough as fucking nails. But you put him against somebody like a, a Volkanovski, like he was pitching for that fight in this. One takedown, two takedowns. Hell no. Yeah. He's got a long ways to go. He's a very top, he's a very good and very top talent fighter, but he's not quite ready yet for the top, I'd say three or four. He's there. He he's got power. He's got the kickboxing. But everybody now, this this is what we've said before a bunch of times. Someone's beat you now. If and all they, eyes, all, they just wrote the blueprint. All eyes are on you. And they just saw how that first round went. They just saw that you are good when you're at distance. You are not good in a phone booth and you're not great off your back. Ding, ding, ding. Everyone's going to start to lay the groundwork for you now. Boy, you it. got that it's already right. been, sorry, the groundwork's already been laid out. Now yeah. everyone's just going to start following it and adding a little bit more to their, to, to how they want to do it as well. Yeah. That's so now, now it's really all on Kaze <coughs> to go back to the drawing board and figure out how to, when someone does use this type of tactic, this type of, you know, movement, this crushing of the space, he has got to react to it in a different fashion that makes that person pay for it and have to think twice about taking that step in. And sometimes, you know, you just run into a guy as tough as Calvin Cater that is willing to take your shots to lay his down, and that's what you get because his jab, like you said, he wasn't throwing it to you know land it with a lot of power he was throwing it to cause just that volume just that i'm going to keep touching you and keep bothering you i'm going to get in close enough to where i can land these elbows and he landed some beautiful elbows crossed ups you know took it from vertical to horizontal did all kinds of different angles with them it was a beautiful performance and you saw that in the scorecards because they had it you know 50 45 and then a 50 44 by one judge he won every round, and it wasn't even close. You could take a look and say the first two minutes of that first round, Giga Chikadze was winning that fight. It was when the fight hit the ground, everything started to change. There was that little bit. It was the closest round of the fight. And after that, Calvin Cater just basically walked through him to take that fight. John, but here, I know I just went in hard on the paint a little bit with Giga, but here I'm going to go back on the other side, though, and say, hey, the reason why this fight was so interesting for so many people all the way up until the fifth round, because at any moment, Giga could have won this fight. Yep. At any moment, his power, his kicks, something, Cater could have just taken for advantage, taken it uh, made a mistake. for granted. He could have made a mistake, taken for granted that, like, hey, I've got this fight in the bag, and could have just left the hand down low. He could have done anything. Where Giga could have came out and landed a head kick, got the ball rolling. I'm not saying he would have knocked him out. But there's always that element that he has, the ability to knock someone out, whether with a head kick, with the power, with the push kicks, whatever it is, body kicks. His body kicks landed all night. I'm surprised he didn't throw more of them. But, but the reason why I'm not surprised he didn't throw more after I just answered my own question is because he was tired. Yeah. He was tired from being backed up. He was tired from the grappling in the first round. All of those things, you can tell that he needs to make some tweaks to. And I, I believe that he's going to be in that top group of those top three or four fighters. I believe that. But he's going to have to make some big changes now after this fight because, like we've said, the the groundwork has been laid out. Yeah. People know now how to beat him. 
and he did not look good off of his back. A lot of extensions of the front of, of the full arm, trying to get out of positions, just turning to his side and taking shots. I mean, there was he was giving up submission after submission attacks and attempts. I mean, the side choke to the mount to the back to all of those things. And it's not like you're dealing with someone who's a top, top level jujitsu guy. You're dealing with someone who's mainly a kickboxer and boxer who was able to handle him on the ground. You get him in the mix with somebody that is a top level jujitsu guy, and it could be a quick night for them. For him, I should say. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt about it. It's, you know, I thought, well, you know, you talked about the commentary. Dom said the one thing. Look at this fight. It's going to make Giga a better fighter. I, I do believe that. He took some damage, but none of it was that, that damage that he was seriously concussed by blows or anything like that he's got some cuts those heal he's going to become a better fighter off of this he's going to learn from it he's going to go back to the drawing board he's going to go back to king's mma and they're going to fix a lot of the things that were wrong in this fight and he's going to come back a better fighter it was exactly what you saw calvin cater doing off of his last fight against max holloway now, in this situation, is he somebody that should take a you know six months to eight months off and then come back? Absolutely, it's a lot I, of shots he yeah. took. Now, no, like that. I said, none of them I thought were you know he had, there was a couple that wobbled him. He he got hurt you know a couple of times in it, but he was able to you know handle himself very well. But he took a lot of shots. Like I said, it was that the amount of volume that Cater was putting on him. He took a ton of shots in the fight. It's time take some time off. Get yourself back, go back to the drawing board, and then come back, you know, better than ever. Yeah. Uh, those of you guys, I want to just give an apology real quick because I'm I'm coughing and <clears throat> getting going here, but I'm sick again. Uh, lucky me. So I just <laughs> I'm got just so a, glad you're that far I away. Know. I know. So we went and got a, a test again today to see if I have COVID again since again. Christmas. And now we'll see. Uh, around here in the Bay Area, it's going around like a wildfire right now. So it's uh, it's nasty. Anyways, uh, let's roll on to the next thing, and we will um, talk. But I mean, overall, though, John, the fight lived up to what we thought. Yeah. And I was watching all the way up until the very last moment because Giga has the power and the ability to finish you at any time. Now he didn't look like he was going to be able to uh, in the second and third round, but he started to get a little bit of win in the fourth, and then it started to turn back towards Cater, and then he came back in the fifth a little bit, letting things go, letting the kicks go, and I was like, all right, maybe he's got a second win. And then Cater started taking over again. Overall, though, but the fight lived up to all the hype that we thought it would live up to. And I'm actually very happy that it did because the, the fight was good. It kind of, I feel like the fight saved the show. It saved, it saved the rest of the show. The rest of the show was it was decent, but it wasn't great. It was, you know, but this is one of those open. Let's start the new year off with a good main event. Get yep. some people some fights. You, so, you never you never have a great show. And unfortunately, when you have all these decisions. Yeah. It's not that they were, there weren't some good fights. It's just no one wants to always be going to decision after decision after decision. Yeah. Jake Collier did a very good job against Chase Sherman to stop that momentum and finish that fight in the first round. Solid performance. I thought going into that fight, I thought Jake was the better overall fighter. I thought he's, you know, here's a guy that fought at 185, light, heavyweight, and now is a heavyweight, but he fights really well. He's tough. He takes takes a good shot. He delivers a good shot. And once he got uh, on top of Chase Sherman, it didn't look too good for Chase. And that was a, a quick and very efficient and effective performance by Mr. Collier. Nice win. Yeah, you never want a heavyweight on top of you. <laughs> no. A lot of weight. <laughs> I don't care who it is. Scroll on down there, Dave, for me. Oh, man. 
And then uh, what other fights? The Roy Vall fight, what did you think of it? I, mean, I, I thought it was exactly the way they, the judges saw it. I thought it was 29-28 for Brandon Roy Vall. Mm-hmm. I thought that uh, Bontarin had his, had his moments, but mm-hmm. overall it was always Brandon that was the guy that was trying to do things to finish the fight. It was more of Rogerio trying to control the fight. At times he was doing stuff, but more, he was more into that control factor, and that's why I really liked what Brandon was doing. There was the one instance where they, you know, talked about oh, he tapped on the arm bar. Mm-hmm. He did not tap. You know, and, and this is where you know, everyone gets into this thing. Is it one tap? Is it three taps? What is it? You know, one tap makes it a tap out, but it, there has to be the, the intent behind the movement. And when you see him, and if you go back and look at it, you'll see that he attempts to start to take to put his hand in a position to crush and hold in on that arm bar attempt so he can take the pressure off of it and then he switches it and his hand does do the you know it hits but there's no intent behind it being a tap so it wasn't he was never intending to tap it was the proper thing to let the fight go on and it was the proper thing that brandon Royval, in my opinion won the fight it was a split decision but i thought he won the fight yeah i thought he won the fight i don't think it should have been a split decision well that's just the way it goes <laughs> yeah it is it <laughs> that's is. why you have um, three judges yeah but i also look back at some fights that i'd seen where there was one tap uh, Chael tapped once, I think, to Anderson, and then Fedor tapped once to Verdum. Yeah, but it those are a one. It was a one is there? Tap. But was there intent behind those taps? There was never any intent by Chael's tap. You know that, <laughs> and I know that, and that's why <laughs> Chael is still fucking undefeated. Okay, dude, Colin, do me a favor. Just when, when you're gonna <laughs> drink the Kool Aid, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I drink it by the gallons, baby. I well, drink it by the you, gallons. I've got the, that shit stocked up in my garage. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. I was li- um, I was listening I was listening to uh, Uriah Faber. Uh, he had a story that he was talking about. You know, when he lost a fight, the Chael actually contacted him and said, "Hey, man, you know, don't worry about it. You know, it's okay. You lost the fight. Don't even. You know, I don't know what that's like. That's never yeah. happened to me." Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "You go, that dude is unbelievable." <laughs> well, there was the video because Uriah fought on the same card when he lost to to um. To Anderson that first time, I believe, because they were both out there. And he's like, yeah, I thought if I tapped, then they just stand us back up and we finish oh, yeah. the next minute and a half or minute yeah. 30, minute 27 or whatever another, it was. Another chaelism. <laughs> and, and I think it was Uriah and somebody else just sitting next to each other going, are you fucking, is this guy fucking for real? <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. You're like, man, it's just so fun because it comes out so fluidly. It just I call them chaelisms. Yeah, I love them. I love the it. Best. Um. Yeah, but overall, though, yeah, I, I thought it was a 29-28 for sure uh, for Rayval, and I thought it was dominant win. I thought yep. uh, Chikagian as well over Jennifer Maya. Yeah, she uh, that. that was a Yeah, she just touched, touched, touched all night long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dominant position. It's called smart so, fighting. Yeah, it, smart fighting isn't always fun fighting, though, when you're watching it on TV. No, it's not. You know, sometimes it's not that entertaining, but mm-hmm. you know, you look and you go, that was the right fight for Chikigian to get yeah. a solid victory against a good fighter in Maya. So nice job. Yeah, Good Maya just had no answer for the reach and the range. A little bit of the speed was a factor as well. Um, it just wasn't having it for her. And then even Chikigian, I believe she got a takedown and and was on yep. top for and was still no answer, even getting back to guard and able to mount any type of offense. It just wasn't there. Like you know, there we talk about all the time when you come to the venue. And you show up and you're in the back getting your hands wrapped and then you start hitting mitts and all of a sudden you just get that feeling of like, this shit ain't here today. 
I got a little bit of that vibe from Maya today. Just she didn't seem herself. She didn't seem like and maybe that's because Chikagan just took her out of that. <laughs> maybe she took her out of that rhythm and that, you know, whatever she had in mind when the, the long punches started hitting her from four feet away. She's like, holy shit, this is she, I can't even get in close, you know, and when the speed's not there and you're not your pop's not there, you can't cover that distance enough to even get in on the body lock. So True. good stuff by uh Chikagian and uh nice work, you know, on to the next one. Yeah. Um, you know what? I gotta say this real quick. I don't know how to pronounce this Russian guy's name, but the Dakota Bush kid, he looked real good up until the point where he got dropped to the body. Yeah. He looked good. I was like, wow, this kid's tough. This kid's good. Like, he is good. He's got but a body pop. shot will drop anybody. Yeah. You hit it right. I don't care who you are. Oh, yeah. He folded up like a violin. Oh, dude. He folded like <laughs> a like a what camping accordion. tent, man. Dude. Yeah, he was just like, <laughs> boom. A violin. That was and you, you knew exactly. <laughs> well, an accordion, you could say, but. Again, it's hard to explain to someone what that feels, but it shuts your body down, man. Yeah. It just shuts you down. It's a, it's just a horrible feeling, and you could tell there was just as soon as he hit the ground, it was over. And a nice win for Borshev. Very nice. Yeah, it, he was he was taking some shots. He was oh, taking yeah. some kicks, and I, he got rocked a little bit there for a moment. I was thinking yep. to myself, man, this Dakota kid is tough. He's like he's putting it on him. He's very accurate, and then. He got a little, I don't know if he got tired, but he started backing up a little bit. So I don't know if he just needed to catch his breath. But then at the same time he was catching his breath, he was taking that body shot and it was over. It was left done. I was like, that, oh, shit. That left hand, but he dug it too. He dug into it. So you knew it hit hard. But that's what happens. All it takes is one. Bill Algio came out again. I love that guy. He's tough as hell. He, remind, he reminds me of a, uh, a one weight class up Corey Sandhagen. Uh, a little bit, huh? Very much. Right? Very That's much. True. He's got a the lot knee of up the, the s- middle. The knee up the middle, I feel like he stole that from Corey Sanders yep. because he is so long. He landed that thing three or four times against uh, Brito. Brito? Yeah. Brito came out right. strong, and he was trying to yeah. put him away fast. And you go, slow down, son. Slow down. He was yeah. just stepping on the gas, and eventually it was like the gas tank started to fold. He, you could tell he was in shape because, man, he still went the whole way. He went hard. He took a lot of shots. But you've got to be able to control your pace. Don't try to load up on everything. And he was, it was almost like it's sometimes guys get in that first time they're in the UFC, that first time they step into that that cage, and this is the moment they've been waiting for. Don't let it don't let it overcome you, man. You you got to be who you are and within yourself. And I think that's that honestly was one of the biggest undoings of Brito in that fight is. He gassed himself by his actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he he did. I mean, but he, he just he was always a step behind. The reach was too much. The length was too much. And every time he stepped in and threw a, a lazy jab with his head down, he got kneed in the face. And so <laughs> multiple times. Yeah. And so every time that happened, I was thinking to myself, "Yeah, this ain't gonna go his way." Um, and then you get into Pickett and Holmes. There was this big, huge thing on Holmes right beforehand the Contender Series. Him getting a contract by Dana, all these things. Yeah. He looked exhausted after round one. He was well, ugly. You know, they said, "Oh, he was undefeated after he lost his first fight." His first fight was in Bellator. Yeah. He lost that one, <laughs> and so you know, not, that's not saying anything. But he uh, he can fight. He's he's a I like him. He's a good person. But it was it was the nerves. It was the adrenaline. He, I made it. I'm here, and. After a very short amount of time, he was breathing hard because of nerves. 
So he's going to have to learn, hey, it's like every other place that you fought. Relax. If you relax, you're going to do well. But but people don't, I don't think people get is that, it's funny because um, one of our, I don't, even know what, what, I don't even know what his position is, but he's one of the, one of the guys that helps us with so much at the at Bellator on the production side is uh, Sarno. And stage Mike manager. Sarno- yeah, stage. He's more than that. But anyways, but Mike Sarnowski, what he does is he talks about or not talks about he today. I saw a Facebook page. One of his someone that I think he coached for softball uh, had signed, you know, with the college and I, and I had comment congratulations, you know, but I wanted to make sure it was clear that this now the hard work starts. Yeah. And for all the fighters, it's very important to point it out. Like, look, because you got signed by a college or because you got signed by a bigger promotion, this is when it gets hard. All the stuff you did before was the easy shit. Okay. <laughs> this is when all the hard work starts. Well, this and is so, what all the hard work was for. Yes. And now the real work begins. This that's a, that's a better way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, like, sure, it was all hard. I get it, it was all yep. hard. But you're now you're going to start fine tuning that all the hard shit that you've been doing all the all the remember, I remember when I first started we would spar with no shin guards no mouthpiece you know occasionally headgear and then 18 ounce gloves not 16 ounce gloves 18 ounce gloves but like cheap you know ringside gloves whatever they were and we would just we'd kick full blow to the body I'm surprised that our legs never you know our shins never broke our ankles never broke toes never broke I'm surprised none of that happened we never wore hand wraps that was all knucklehead stuff right yeah. all the dumb stuff and then as you got smarter and as you got better <laughs> did you, you get realized, smarter well, did you, you uh, did you really I hit more in the head i got dumber <laughs> as time went on <clears throat> but as you train more and you realize how important it was to have protection um during these you know during training sessions you got better and then you started fine-tuning the things that you could do because you can do more techniques with more protection instead of just going elbows hard you know on people with no elbow pads now you can wear elbow pads and you can light touch and use technique and start fine-tuning all those things and that's what we saw from calvin cater tonight was the ability to use elbows he's got to practice those he didn't just go out there and just try them tonight oh look all the success i had no you got to practice those on the pads on the mitts you know um you know and then also a little bit in training just touch touch nothing hard and uh when you get when you finally get back to homes, when you finally get into the UFC, this is when it all starts. You need to start fine-tuning all the little things that you do very well and make them better. Don't try to learn a bunch of new things. Try and get really good at the little things that you do That because that's what you will get you through for the next one or two or three more fights in the UFC. But the number one thing you need to work on, my friend, is your conditioning. <laughs> Hands down, your conditioning. Because no matter how, no matter how much the adrenaline dump is real, after the adrenaline dump happens, give yourself a second, you know, between rounds, whatever it is, a couple deep breaths. When you train yourself to, to fight that way, you can go back there and have another good round. Yep. A second wind, as they like to call it. And it's it's there. It's more. But if you're not in top tip top shape, you can't take shots and you can't recover between rounds. Those are things that you need to learn to get really, really good at and taking a step back. Even during the round, John, you know this and I'm sure you've seen this. I don't know how many times, countless times with fighters being able to say, I just gave out everything I had. Now I'm going to make space and fight smart. Take some deep breaths. Now I'm ready to engage. Yep. That's, that's what makes some of the best fighters in the world the best fighters in the world is the ability to control the cage, control what they're going to do and when they're going to do it. You know, and, um, and he didn't seem like he had that on point tonight at, night at all. I, so. one, one of the things I used to do with a lot of new people coming in, and it didn't matter if they were – young fighters or, or guys that really had incredible records that were well-known. 
but it was their first fight coming into the UFC. I always used to tell them, hey, go walk out there, go walk into that cage, go move around in it, go lay down in it, go bounce off of the walls of it. It's no different than any other place you've ever been. Only you in your head are making it more, more difficult, more grand, more, you know, oh my God, you're, it's all in your head. So go get it out early right now before the fights ever start. It's the same type of place. It's a cage and don't make it anything more than it is. And I would tell them, go, you know, go out there, do that. And a lot of them would come back and say, man, thank you for, thank you for telling me that, you know, and I want to, you're right. And they would have, they put on a good performance. And a lot of guys you'll see, they are overwhelmed in that first time that they step in there because this is what they've dreamed of. This is, this is, I've made it, you know? Nope. Just getting there is not making it. No. Well, you see that a lot too with people that when they get to the title shot, oh, I've made it and they lose it and they never get back. That's true. So it's a, it's a mindset. It really is a mindset. Like with him though, I really believe it's a conditioning. He needs a fact. He needs to take that in consideration. He needs to really work on that and learning how to take a step back and controlling the cage backing up at all times. It does not the way to win fights. (laughs) Putting pressure, making them back up is the way to win fights, as well as knowing when to circle, stay away. Circle, stay away, so you don't take shots, and so you can catch your breath. All right. Uh, Look, who I was very impressed with was Court McGee. Man, 37-year-old Court McGee. God damn, he looked good. The guy can still do it. A little slower, a little slower, but but the guy smarter. He's also smarter. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what it is, man. As I got older, I got dumber. His guy, he seems to be getting smarter. (laughs) I don't know what it is. He's brilliant, man. Just a great game plan. Um, when you when you bring in a young buck, bought with it uh, himself, man. Yeah, when you bring in a young buck, uh, like how do you say his name? Brahimage. Yeah, Brahim Brahimage. Yeah, I think Brahima. 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 Okay. So, anyways, when you fight someone like him, you bring him in against Court McGee. You're gonna find out real quick what it's like to have a high fight IQ, because Court McGee was letting the hands go as well as mixing up and pressing the fence. Mixed it up. And That's when you the see part. them, when you see them face to face, Court McGee just looked like a man to a boy. I saw them face to face, and I was like, "Damn, this is this is this is a huge. This seems like a really big size difference." Yeah, and I just stuttered the hell out of that. This this this, <laughs> this, this guy, he looked, he really did. He looked like a man amongst boys. I mean, I was like, "Holy cow!" Court McGee looks way bigger than this young man. But uh, the speed was definitely uh, Brahimish is was on his side. It looked like he had the power as well, but trying to get, he couldn't handle the fact that every time he hit Court McGee, Court McGee was still there. And when Court McGee got hit by him, he just kept walking forward. And it, I think that just threw him off his game. Like, wow, I'm hitting you. I'm hitting you clean, but nothing's getting you to move back. And you're walking me down and pressing me in the fence like, shit, I can't fight the whole fight this way. And it was a rude awakening for him right off the bat. Great fight by Court McGee, man. Just yeah. fight IQ through the wall. I agree. Yeah. Uh, what else did you think? No, I thought Brian Keller looked just really good because we know Kevin Kroon, uh, he came in last minute, but, hey, the guys have been everywhere. He's tough mm-hmm. as hell. He's a good fighter. Brian Keller just just kept putting it on, and when he realized, hey, I can out you – know, if I get into this guy and I take him down, I'm better than him on the ground, and you watched a guy in Keller who went into the fight looking for this knockout. You could see it change up, realize – Hey, I'm more dominant here. Switch his game plan and come out with a great win. I mean, just a dominant three-round win. So that was very, 
very nicely done. That's what you're looking for. That's what you're looking for a guy as far as now he's just getting smarter as a fighter. He's not just mm-hmm. becoming this one-dimensional person saying, oh, I've got to go out with a knockout. Get away from that crap. Go where your opponent is weakest. That's yeah. what he did. I agree. And then um, did you watch the very first fight? I yeah, it. I did. Your, your man Moogly had to pull out. Mm-hmm. So Charles Rosa came in on three days' notice and took on T.J. Brown. And I'll tell you what, Char- you can't say anything bad about Charlie Rosa. You know, Boston Strong is just Boston tough. The guy is a gamer. He took uh, some big shots in that fight in the first and second round. And he was close to, you know, coming out on top in the third. It wasn't there for him, but he won the round. You come in on three days' notice and you win the third round? Yeah. Saying something about just mental toughness and the ability to stick with it and keep going. And uh good win by TJ Brown, but I hope that the UFC doesn't cut Charles Rosa based upon that. I don't think they will. He's no. got a couple of losses in a row, I know, but um that's the kind of guy. Three days notice came in and gave that kind of fight. He deserves to be there. Yep. I agree. All right, well, hey, uh Dave, let's get into some news. What do you think? Uh, well, first we're going to get into um, something else, but uh, real quick, I'm just trying to get this up right now while you guys um, are wrapping up the show, but I wanted to share this one with you guys. This is a post-fight wow. picture um, of the Kater in <clears throat> Chikadze in hospital. Oh, that's uh, some stitch work that's going to go on <laughs> for yeah. Man, she, You see that one? Mm-hmm. One of the... One of the surprised to let that go the one down the the down the nose a little bit right well there. The, the one the one here the this is yeah. this is the worst one you're looking at and then he almost had the one yeah. across i had a fight one time it was 20 seconds josh i swear to you and these guys come out and this guy throws a right hand and it hits this guy and it cuts him above the eye and it cuts him about two and a half inches right along the eyebrow and he goes kind of crashing back and the guy runs at him and throws a jump knee, and it hits him underneath the eye, and then cuts him here. So he's got a look. It's got one under here and one over here, and the guy kind of stumbles forward and then goes to take the guy down. And he falls down. The guy comes over with an elbow and hits him, and it crosses it. Boom, boom, right across. Right, oh, and I stopped the fight. Man. Oh, it's horrible. Or the guy who was the wow. ringside physician was a guy named Tony Hicks. He's in California. He's a world class plastic surgeon. Right. So I'm wa- I'm waving Tony in, right? and he comes in right. And I go, Tony, you got your hands, you got your hands full on this one. He looks at he looks at this kid. He goes, I ain't touching him. He's going to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> this dude, man, there was skin flapping everywhere. Oh like, man, Giga, Giga's showing the uh, effects of what a fight will do. But man, uh, tough dude, tough dude. Geez, I would have asked that guy for sure. I would have asked that guy. It's like, hey, you need to fix me up. Plastic surgery, fix me up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you never know what you're gonna look like if you get someone out of the, a doctor out of the emergency office. Ooh, can be bad. Look, you end up looking like one of them goalies from the '70s. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Oh but, man. All right. I mean, look. I like to see this though, where the fighters are kind of hugging it out afterwards and uh, in the hospital together, checking each other out. There's overall, no way in the world, and this is what people need to realize: you can have all all the talk, all of the heat, all of whatever. There's no way is you don't have to like your opponent afterwards, but there's no way after a guy has gone through five rounds like that with you and stood across from you for those five rounds and, and not only took everything that you gave out, but also gave back 
There's no way you can't respect him. Yeah. You got to have respect for him. That's true. I agree. I mean, when you look at these two, I absolutely agree. I mean, that's those things are going to look nasty. <laughs> he's not going to He looks a whole lot better right there than he's going to look in a couple of hours. He's going to look like John Wayne Parr. Remember that picture? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was one of the greatest <laughs> pictures ever. All right, well, hey, we're going to jump into weighing in on the odds. Talk about the pay-per-view that is coming up with uh, Francis Ngano and Serio Gone. This is where we're going to give you guys a breakdown on the odds that are leading to this fight. You guys can take our advice and what we give, and hopefully it works out for you guys, and you guys can make a little bit of money off of it. But you have to go to mybookie.ag, use that promo code weighing in to give you a little extra spending cash, and the QR code is also off to the side. You guys can use that QR code, and that'll give you guys that'll take you right to our weighing in on the odds. Now. When you guys gamble and spend on ju- not just this, you guys can also upload some initial money there, and they're going to give you that little extra money. But you can also use that money towards football. It's the playoffs. I was watching the Patriots get smashed before I came here. It was like t- 30 to something, 33, I think, to three. And then yeah. um, I watched a really good game earlier. in the Bengals and Raiders. Well. Bengals and Raiders ended up planning out to be a pretty damn good game. Yeah. Yeah, it was planning out to be pretty good. But all I care about is tomorrow and the Chiefs, baby. Let's go, baby. Let's go against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I hate to say it. I'm throwing a retirement party at my house for Ben Roethlisberger. So you guys, all all of you guys are all more than welcome to come. But I am sick, so just take that in consideration. (laughs) And and, uh, I think the game tomorrow to really watch is going to be the Niners and the Dallas Cowboys. It's going to be a damn good game. And I think the Niners have a really good chance of winning that game. I'm not a Niner fan. They are the local team, and so I am kind of going to be cheering for them a little bit. All right, well, hey, let's get into weighing in on the odds and use that promo code weighing in, and let's talk about Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gone. <laughs> Dave, why don't you tell us what these odds are? Throw those odds back right. up there, Dave. So we're keep in mind that today's show we're only doing the main event. If you guys want to hear the full card, uh, weighing in the odds breakdown, tune back in on Wednesday for the midweek show where we'll do the full card. Perfect. So here we All are. Right, well, with, you've got you've yeah. got Cyril gone at minus one twenty five, and you've got Francis Ngannou at minus one oh five. Mm. Looky there, looky there. Well, John, I am not betting on this fight. <laughs> <laughs> what I am gonna say though. Is if you guys, if there is in between round betting, that if Cyril Gon gets an early takedown in the first round, like I said this uh, about what was, what was the fight? It was uh, Glover Teixeira against uh, Jan Blahovich. If Glover Teixeira got an early takedown in that fight, that I would start looking at the in between round betting. You see mid-round that betting. Round, then that mid round betting, he got the early takedown in round one, and guess what? It led to a dominant performance after that. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen here, but I'm saying that if you are smart, if Cyril Gaunt gets an early takedown in this fight, I would start looking at that in-between round betting because the odds will start drastically, I think, changing towards Gaunt because as the fight goes on. Now, I'm not saying Gaunt is a wrestling expert. expert, okay? Like Glover Teixeira is a good wrestler. He's got really good submissions. But Francis Ngannou is not someone who is known to really get up off of his back once he's down there. His grappling is not all that great. Now he's good at stuffing some takedowns, and he's good at scrambling out of some takedowns. He's got big power, and he can make you pay if you take a shitty shot. So, But I think if he gets if he gets taken down and Cyril Gaon's able to hold him down for a portion of that first round, you're going to see a different Francis Ngannou as the fight goes on. That's my, that's my prediction. That's my bet on these. That's um, your gonna, prediction. That's my prediction. I think, okay. yeah, and if he doesn't get an early takedown, I think he gets knocked out. I think Gon gets knocked out. Well, 
right now he's the favorite at minus 125 or minus yep. 105, which is telling you that, I mean, it's a it's a minute as far as favorites and stuff. It's almost an even. It probably is going to end up being close to even uh, by time of the fight, I would think. But this is telling you that you know either guy can definitely win. If it's the longer it goes, the more it favors Cyril Gaon. Mm-hmm. If you're being smart about the way you're looking at it, but you know, if you look at the over under on that, it's two and a half rounds. And I'm telling you what, I don't think it's going to go two and a half rounds. I don't think so either. I think this is at minus 120, under two and a half. I think you got a pretty good chance with that. That's kind of where I'd be leaning. And whichever guy is the guy that ends up, you know, this, like, I, eh, you can't even say the guy that ends up as the underdog in this because it's so close to being even. Now you're just going with. Do you believe in the power of Francis Ngannou or do you believe in the overall MMA game and intelligence and movement of Cyril Ghosn and his ability to control that space, that distance control? You think that he's going to end up being able to avoid everything that Francis Ngannou throws? Then go with him. I think I'm going to take Francis. Another thing that you guys need to take into consideration is this. That Francis Ngannou has been with, dealing with a lot of emotion leading up to this fight. Will that play a factor going into this fight? He has been dealing with the fact that he's filled slided by the UFC. The Cyril Gone with the talking over the releasing of some footage and getting the coaches involved. All of that stuff has really got under his skin. And he's made it very public. How much will that carry over into the cage? Because that does tend to linger in there. If you start getting hit, you start losing that fight. It starts to bother you. Like, I'm not supposed to be losing this guy. Like, he's he seems like he's been letting a lot of the outside stuff, whether it's the contract stuff, whether it's the Dana White stuff, or whether it's just the serial gone, video footage, whatever it is. He seems like he's been letting that get to him. He cannot afford to fight this fight with too much emotion. He's got to fight it even kill. He's got to fight a smart fight. If he doesn't do that, he overextends. He starts reaching, really looking for the knockout. And trying to make an example out of Cyril Gone, he could end up getting getting an easy takedown and losing this fight. And as like I said, as he gets taken down, it will start to add up, and the takedowns will become easier and easier. Now, Cyril Gone is not a Steve Miocic. He's not a DC or Daniel Cormier. He's not anyone that can wrestle like them. But he is explosive. He is big, okay, and he is fast, and he does have good movement. I think Francis Ngannou is going to just take the center of the cage and make the fight happen in front of him and explode occasionally on the uppercuts and the big shots. I, I definitely believe the power is in his favor. I think John does too from the look on your face. No doubt. Um, and I think I think the speed's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think Cyril Ghosn's got speed, sure, on the long-range fighting. But if he flurries him, if Francis Ngannou flurries on him and touches him one time, I think you see Cyril Ghosn potentially go out. Look at so. <sighs> You got to you got to be honest about this. And there's been too many guys that people have looked at and said, "Oh, this is the guy that's going to beat Francis Ngannou. This is the guy that's going to beat him." Now, look, Francis had the the first fight with Stipe where he got dominated, and he got dominated based upon wrestling. And then he had the fight with Derek Lewis that was, let's just say it, horrible. It was just what it is. But yeah. You know, look, I, I heard that, you know, Rosenstrike was going to be the guy. He's, you know, look at what happened yeah. because of power. Kane Velasquez, people forget that yep. Kane fought against Ngano. Look After at what happened. After a long layoff, though, John, I'm going to go yeah. to bat for my boy. You can long go to layoff. bat for him all you want. It was long fast. Long. And it's yeah. because of power. You know, Alistair Overeem, a guy who's been in there with some of the best kickboxers in the world, has beaten some of the best kickboxers, beat Badahari. 
Okay? Pretty fast, pretty powerful. Taking nothing from Cyril Ghosn. When a guy has the kind of power and can unleash it like Francis Ngannou, it only takes one with that guy. This is not a guy that needs to hit you multiple times. One time, he will put your lights out. So that's that's something that Cyril Ghosn knows going in. Now, it doesn't mean that Ghosn doesn't have the power to put Ngannou out, just not in the same fashion, in my opinion. So that puts Ngannou in. He's dangerous throughout the fight. you got to be careful. Everyone All right, well. Well, hey, that wraps up our weighing in on the odds. We gave you guys our two cents and what to look for in this. We're going to probably recap this as well on the Wednesday show and the oh, Wednesday morning yeah. drop show. Whole lot we'll more. talk about the whole card or at least some of the top fights in this card to potentially uh, take some bets on. So go to mybookie.ag, use that promo code weighing in, or use the QR code right over there off to the side, and they'll give you a little extra spending cash and enjoy it on us and have fun and make some money. That's what we're here for, okay? And enjoy it. You can also bet on the playoffs, basketball games, any sport event that is available, as well as sometimes politics, which is really strange to me. But hey, if you are into that type of stuff, go right ahead. MyBookie.ag, use that promo code weighing in. All right, Dave, are we ready to jump into some news? Yep, let's get into some news. So uh, we're going to start with a story. Big John wanted to kind of touch on this. Um, it was, you know, it's come up on Twitter. <laughs> Hen- uh, Dana White made his comments about why he wasn't giving um, Henry Cejudo the fight against Volkanovski. And then... Um, so Hudo replied, and I know that um, you know John had kind of chimed in a little bit there on Twitter. Um, a little this, bit. This whole thing just kind of blew up from there. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So Dana White came out and said, uh, this guy's retired. He's been off for how many years now? He wants to come in and fight Alexander Volkanovsky. For Hudo to retire and think he should just be able to come in, jump into any weight division he wants and take on the champion, it's not how it works. So Hudo came out and replied, um, so if I had blonde hair and blue eyes, or if I was Canadian with an accent, maybe you would give it to me. I defend both my belts on like GSP. I left on top and retired uh, on that Monday to give the rest of the divisions a chance. Uh, you are playing out scared that I will win Dana White, and he kind of went on to he kind of went on to go on more about it. Um, but I'll at least get your reaction there before we go into anything else. Um, John, I, I don't think it has anything to do with him having blonde hair, blue eyes, or an accent. <laughs> <laughs> just want to make sure that's clear. Yeah, no, both things. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. Um, look, we just had Henry Cejudo on. So if you guys haven't heard that show, that was on last week. It was our last show, The Drop. So make sure you guys check that one out. We talk about this this potential fight with Volk- Volkanovski and kind of what he was looking for. And he does have a lot of good points. Look, whether no matter how you feel about Henry Cejudo. I want to remind people, I want I say there's only one. I think there's only one fight where John Jones has broke a million a million views. Only one of his fights. And I think that was the does he first, or is, I don't think he does. I think he does. I think it was does the first or the second one against DC. It was the, the first second or the second one. one. Yeah, the second one against DC is the only yeah. one that ever broke a million buys. Henry Cejudo being 125 pounds and 135 pounds has got buys all the way up to 900,000 views. Now, now, I'm sure not all of them have been that way, and neither have John Jones has been that way. No. GSP being a different person. GSP had a ton of shows that were actually at one like, over a million. So I, I'm not, I shouldn't say a ton, but he had several that were over a million yeah. uh, pay-per-view buys. Yeah, that one with BJ Penn that was a big one. Yeah. The second one. When I get into these, when I when I talk about the numbers, you, people are like, oh, well, he's not a pay-per-view buy. Okay, I thought we were trying to watch the best fighters in the world fight. Yeah. All people tell me, <laughs> all people tell me is that is that the UFC has the best fighters in the world. 
I want to see that. If that's what you're saying, then I, it shouldn't matter what the pay-per-view buys say. But it does. And I get it. It's a business. And I, I'm always, I'm going to bat for the businesses almost always. Okay. But in this situation, don't tell me that you have the best fighters in the world fighting every second you can. When, when in reality, you're sitting one on the sideline yeah. and you're not letting him fight. Because he wants to take that next step up. He wants the challenge. You have an Olympic gold medalist telling you he needs to be challenged. What does that mean? Make it happen. That like He's already won the 125-pound title. He's already won the 135-pound title. Okay? And he also defended them. What else did you want? I've, we've seen people fight in other divisions. Okay, We've seen people win at 145 and not defend it. We've seen people win at 155 and not defend it. We've seen people win at 170 who have defended it and GSP went to 85, didn't defend it. What are you complaining about? Is he not that big of a draw? Remember, let's remember, ESPN is paying them 500, I think it's 500 and something thousand buys. They're guaranteeing mm -hmm. them and already guaranteeing paying them. them 500, so buys. what is it, honestly, how much does it really matter if you put him on that card to fight somebody at 145? How much, like how much money are you really losing? Now, the next thing is you've been retired. Okay. But as I recall, he's fought more recently than John Jones has. And everyone keeps telling me that John Jones can, from what I understand, he's going to get the automatic title shot. So your logic goes right out the door when all, when these things are said. Now, look, Dana White does this all the time. I understand. There's some little beef between them. Something's going on. <clears throat> maybe maybe Dana doesn't like him for some reason. Who knows? But the bottom line is... I think Dana likes him. <clears throat> why would you not... Why would you not allow somebody who has won and defended two titles go for that third title against someone who stylistically is probably one of the best matchups for each other? Maybe, and I know you can't stop someone from retiring as we saw with GSP, but maybe <laughs> have a closet, go. maybe have a clause in there that, hey, you need to, you know, you need to, you need to defend it once. It would make sense. I get it, but. To me, that is the fight that I really believe that's the fight to make. Now everyone's like, oh, he's been retired for so like I just said, John Jones has had fought further out than he did. Henry has a fight more recently than him. So and and let's not talk about how long GSP was out. <laughs> no, well, okay, let's let's talk about that real quick. Cause that that was what I put in my, my tweet that I put out. Cause it's like I'm not saying the UFC's wrong. Yeah. All right. I'm not saying they're wrong, and I understand. And you can only put so much out in a Twitter thing, but it was 617 days now since Henry Cejudo last fought. George St. Pierre was out for 1,450 days, more than twice as much. So when you're sitting there and you're and and I, I wish Dana would have just said the truth. Hey. I'm not doing that again. I've done it. And George St. Pierre came back. He won my title and then he didn't defend the title. And you already walked away from me once. I'm not going to have a guy that could walk away from me again with the title. That's just not going to happen. You want to come back and you want to fight guys. I'll put you in and we'll work you towards the title. No problem. But you're not just going to come back in. I'm not doing that again. That is okay to say, or you can sit there and say, look, you're not the pay-per-view guy that, you know, George St. Pierre was. That's why George got it. Randy Couture came back from being a light heavyweight, retiring, being gone for over a year, and getting the heavyweight title fight against Tim Sylvia. So, again, Dana has done this. 
You know, he's put guys in that situation, but he did it because pay-per-views. That was going to sell. Randy coming back was going to sell, and I, and I totally understand it, and it's a business, and this is where it comes into, all right, what is it? If you're the UFC, you're a business. If you're Henry Cejudo, and I would think if you're a fan, I love the fans that side with the UFC. It's like, what are you siding with? Okay, you're siding with them like, oh, they're going to save money. What is wrong with you? If you don't want to see Henry Cejudo fight Alexander Volkanovsky, you're not a fan of MMA. You're a fool. Thank you very much. I mean, it's like, I don't care if you like him or hate him, whether you want to see Volkanovsky rip his head off or whether you want to see Henry Cejudo try to you know become the first guy to win three titles in different weight classes in the UFC. It has got great elements behind it. It's a great story. It would be a fun fight. And if you're the UFC and you're worried about him leaving, then put it in his contract. Hey, we will pay you this. But if you retire, you owe us this much back. You can do that. I've seen it done. Okay? So he can't just retire on you. I don't know. I just look at it. I wish that Dana would have just come out and been honest. Don't sit there and say, oh, that's that's not the way it's done. Because it has been done. It's been done that way, and you come out and say, you know, either way, hey, we're not doing it that way ever again, or look, he's not a big enough pay-per-view you know, guy for us to pay him what he wants, but just be honest about it. Don't sit there and say, oh, that's not the way we do business. It has been the way you've done business in the past, and so that's why someone would expect you to be able to do business like that again in the future. One of the biggest... <clears throat> One of the biggest deals, one of the biggest things that the UFC does very well is market their fighters. Oh, yeah. If he is not a marketing, if he's not someone that you guys have not marketed well enough, which is insane to me, to where he's not a pay-per-view draw. He's a two-division champion. An Olympic Olympic gold medalist. medalist. Thank you. And he he is the youngest Olympic gold medalist, I believe, ever in in wrestling. In wrestling. He He also had, it was like, I don't know how many years it was. He had won the Olympic gold, but we hadn't, the U.S. hadn't won Olympic gold in, ye- in years and years, you know, before that. So he's someone that brought wrestling back on to the larger scale until Jordan Burroughs won it. Uh, he brought he was the first American wrestler to win the Olympic gold in years. Give this guy his due. Give him like I, I could give two craps about how you like John just said. About how you guys feel about him as a person. Cringe, hate him, want to see him lose. Good. Okay, or you love him and you want to see him win. But Good. either way, either way, if you don't like that fight, something is really wrong with you. Something is wrong. If you are you don't understand the sport, if you don't like that fight, that fight to me, it, that fight may, may, may be over quick. It may be, be. Re, it may be over in one round. Maybe, maybe Volkanovsky goes out there and just runs right through him. But, but let's remember what if could be that he doesn't, I got murdered. I got murdered on this thing. When I said that Marlon Marais was, he was about the same size as Volkanovsky. I'm sorry, guys. Height wise and size wise. Marlon Marais walks around probably close to about, I'd say 171, maybe even pushing higher. I'd say probably even maybe up to 175, somewhere in there. Volkanovsky. Sure. He maybe gets a little bit thicker and buffer. Okay, but he's shorter as well. But height, why? I mean, like, if you, can you look this up? I want to see what their heights are together. I think, isn't Volkanovski 5'6"? 
he's five six, I think. But everyone to me is five six, John. <laughs> <laughs> I just I throw a generic number out there, and it's always five six. Uh, you know. So I'm Henry is five, six. Uh, five four, and Alex. No, is no, five, no. Six. I said Marlon Morais. Marlon Morais. And then I think Volkanovski is five six. I believe five six. Yeah. So he's five six also. Mm-hmm. When you're put, when I put that, I'm telling you guys right now. When I talk to Frank Yeager, when I've seen Marlon Morais, and I've seen them, they he is a big one thirty five pounder. I think a lot of the reason why you see him, okay, start to get tired as the fight goes on, because he cuts so much damn weight. And that's the problem. I think that's a little bit of the problem with Marlon Marais. But to get back into the Volkanovski talk <laughs> with Henry, those two guys, stylistically, they match up very well. Volk will not be able to just bull rush him and take him down and ground a pound him he out. He ain't taking him down. You know, I, I never he say ain't never. taking him down. I, I ain't never say never. But I'm saying he's not taking him down. <laughs> I never but say I love, never. I love Volkanovski. He ain't taking him down. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though, John. Everyone's like, oh, Volkanovski's so, he's going to be so much bigger and, and this and that. I'm like, look, you guys, you think Henry hasn't been in a wrestling room with oh guys bigger than him? Yeah. You don't you think, think he's he, been he, wrestling guys much bigger than him throughout his life? His whole career. He, and he was the smallest guy around for his whole career. You don't think he's been in that wrestling room taking guys down that were double the size of Volkanovski who actually had wrestling experience? Yeah. That's what it just baffles me that people think that he can't win this fight. Now, I think he's got his hands full. Do I think he's going to win? It's going to be a very, very... Oh, very tough for him to win that Very fight. tough fight for him to yeah. win. Very tough. Okay, and I'm not taking but anything away from Volkanovski. elements within it, the speed of Henry Cejudo. Look, Henry's fast. Yeah. All right. Anybody that can match up with Demetrius Johnson in speed, yeah, they're fast, okay? Henry has got the best inside trip in all of MMA. All he's got to do is get his hands close to around your waist and his legs coming in and you're going on your butt. He can take anybody down at any point. His double is fast. He turns the corner like it's freaking on a rail. It's crazy what this guy can do with his wrestling when he wants to wrestle. Does he want to wrestle against Volkanovski? I think so. I don't think he wants to get in a slugfest with him. If he gets in a slugfest with him, Probably not going the way that you know it's supposed to go for Henry. Probably going Alexander's way. Alexander has lived off of being a guy that can normally take his opponents down when he wants. He takes them down. He does good work on the ground. He ain't getting. The only way he's getting Henry down is by hitting him with a shot that hurts him. That can happen. But other than that, he's through, a, through just a wrestling maneuver, takedown, judo throw, any of it ain't happening. He ain't getting him down. Well, that work that, that you just talked about, the work he does on top, a lot of that fight when he fought Brian Ortega, a lot of that damage, a lot of that work was done on top. Oh, yeah. With him ground and pounding and doing the work there. Him being able to take get those takedowns against someone like Brian Ortega or someone against a Max Holloway, those are key situations. He ain't getting, like you said, he, I'm not ruling it completely out, but I'm simply saying, <laughs> if he does get one on Henry, okay, Henry's not going to be the easiest guy to hold down. There will be a ton of scrambling. There'll be a lot of switching, a lot of moving positions. He's going to fight that takedown to the bitter end and potentially end up on top. Yeah, That's one way of looking at it. Now, you guys don't want to take this in. You guys should take this into consideration, but I've already read the comments and you guys don't, is that Henry is also not the guy that just needs to be out there finessing people and hitting them with a the jab and doing all of those things like you've seen him do. I'm sorry. The kid can bite down on a mouthpiece and fucking take it on the chin and deliver it back. And if you don't think so, go back and watch that Marlon Marais fight. The fight was not going his way. Remember he had the drop foot where the, the leg kick. That yeah, was in the Demetrius. first round. 
That was Demetrius. Oh, that was Demetrius. Fight. Okay, against Demetrius. But then there was the, the fight with Marlon Rice. He was getting teed up on. He was getting hit. He was getting hit with some big shots. The yeah. power was definitely evident in that fight. And he bit down on his mouthpiece, put the pressure on him, and just put it to him, Marlon Rice. And that was the turning of the tide. He was getting pushed around by a smaller guy. That lets you that lets you know right there that Henry Cejudo is not someone just to fuck with. He's not someone. He's not someone that's going to wrestle you. He's not someone that's just going to like try and go out there and push you to the fence and try and take you down. No, he's going to do whatever it takes to win. That's what you want to see in your champions. The fact that he is not getting this fight, and even like a talk in terms of like, hey, let's have a conversation about what do we got to do to get you paid. He said a million dollars is not a lot, of, a lot, not a lot of money. But if you win that title, you're already a, a champion in two divisions. If you win this one. How in the biggest, whatever, the marketing fucking crew that they have for the UFC, how do you not make this guy a pay-per-view buy? With all your marketing dollars, this guy should be one of the biggest draws if he ends up beating Volkanovski. He's already a two-division champion and an Olympic gold medalist. If you can't make him, I've seen you guys make guys that are scrubs bigger stars because you guys put more time and effort behind them. But that's it. That's all it is. You guys got to just do it. Put more time and effort behind him. I don't. I think they just thought that his his Olympic gold medal and and uh, and his one twenty five and one thirty five pound titles were going to do it. But people don't really. That's the thing. They knocked on Demetrius Johnson for so long. People didn't weren't watching that division because DJ was so dominant. But they still didn't pay DJ. It's because they didn't put a lot of money behind that weight class. They didn't. They didn't market it all that much. They didn't. They, they're not. They're not really looking into it as much as they as they could. They're not putting their marketing dollars behind it, and that's not fair. But that's the way the cookie crumbles. We all know the heavier weights get paid more. That's the way it's always been. This is true, but I look at it. It's something I would like to see. I, mm-hmm. I don't know of any MMA person that I, you know, talk to that doesn't want to see this fight. They all want to see that fight because. Yeah. It's a great matchup, and and matchups are what you're looking for, and this is an exciting matchup that it has elements. Both guys can win, and it has the element of he possibly could be the first three-division champion. I think one of their big problems is does he want to stay at 145 and fight then? No, he's going to want to go to 135 or this and that, and he's not going to defend the title. Like I said, write it into the contract. You must defend yeah. or you have to to give back this much money. I don't care. Well, here's my thing. Just if make it fights, happen. You can make it happen. John, if he goes to 145 and wins the title, I'm okay with him going to 135 as long as he stays at 135 after that and he still gets paid whatever he's getting paid. Because I got to tell you, the next best fight for him anyways is Peter Pure Young. That's the only. That's the only other fight I really see making oh, sense no, I, for him. I saw, I saw everyone tell, you know, on, the, on their thing saying, oh, Peter Young would kill him. Let me tell you something. <laughs> that is Peter Young's worst matchup. Yeah. A guy that could actually put him on his butt and keep him on his butt. Okay. Look, I did Magomed Magomedov against Piotr Jan, and I saw the very first one they had where Magomed won, and then I, I did the one, their second one, where Peter Jan won, and it was the difference of Magomed not being able to hold Peter Jan down, Peter Jan being able to get away from the wrestling, and again, taking nothing away from Magomed. He's not the wrestler that Henry Cejudo is. Yeah. Not even close. Nope, not even. So, yep. Interesting that you said that because I, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, hey, like I would like to see him fight Volk because that's a challenge for him. That is, here's the thing: when you have a guy who's accomplished everything in his career, everything he's ever set his mind to, and he's done it so easy. Not I wouldn't say easily. Not easy. He, he's done it. Yep. And he's and he's and he's he's never looked back. He's always achieved his goals. 
His next goal now is 145. And if he doesn't get it, I bet he'd be willing to go to 135 and say, you know what, let me fight Let me fight him. I'll win this title. And I think he would stay as long as the money was good. But for him to go to 145, and even if he came up short, and you're paying him well, I could see him going to 140, 135. That is a fight that would sell, especially if he has a good fight against Volkanovski. Oh, Let's yeah. say he ends up losing a split decision. Let's say he ends up you know, losing by a cut, but he was winning the fight or it was a close fight up until then. Who's to say, you know what, forget it, this guy's too big, it was more than I thought, you know, let's not take any chances, let's just go to 135, let's fight Peter Yan, this is another big fight, he is a dominant champion at 135, everyone says, because of the Aljo thing, but no, let's put him, I think I think Peter Yan's going to be in the champion here shortly, we're going to see the two of them, I, I would love to see Henry Cejudo and Peter Yan fight. Yep, absolutely, but we'll see. Yes, we will. It's been yeah, fun on Twitter, though. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Man, I, I, it just drives me crazy that people make all these excuses. And I'm like, the bottom line is, he's at this stage in his career, if you have won everything you've ever set your mind to, you want something to challenge you. These fight, like your GSP went up to 85. He wanted a challenge. He's, I think yeah. he was done with, okay, 170. I've already been putting on some weight. You know, let me get in. Let me fight GSP someone. was gone for almost four years. Yeah. Okay, that's a long time. Yep. And came back and won that title. Now, I, I do know, you know, you take a look and you go, obviously the UFC, they're, they're very smart in what they do, and they've learned from a lot of their mistakes, and one of their mistakes was that GSP versus Bisping fight in that they expected GSP to defend that belt, and he eventually said, yeah, I'm pretty good. I think I'll just walk away again. And so well played, it, well played by him, and they learned from it, and so that's possibly part of their, you know, their reluctance in this. But you can you can absolutely write it in so you know you, you yeah. not that you can make it to where a guy can fight, but you can always make him you know pay back. Hey, I'll give you that much, but you you need to defend it, and if you don't, you're going to pay me back. Okay. Yeah. No, I get it. It's all good. All right, next. All right. Oof, that was a that was a hot round right there, and, uh, and it doesn't stop there because the next Uh-oh. big story. It was making waves um, was Daniel Cormier's ah. comments about John Jones going up the heavyweight. Well, now I want to thank one of our biggest sponsors that have been with us from the beginning, MyBookie.ag. And when you guys go to MyBookie.ag, you guys can use that promo code Wayne in and the QR code that's right over there off to the side. And they're going to give you a little extra spending cash. And you guys can use that spending cash to take John and I's advice on some bets. What do you think, John? Do you think we give good advice? Yes or no? Good advice. How about great advice? Come it's on. Always great advice. We've had a lot of compliments on some of the advice we've given, and also we want to make sure you guys love the fights. And so when we give you guys that advice, take and listen to everything that we say at mybookie.ag using that promo code Wayne in and listen to what we have to say because we break it down to the very minute details and tell you how to bet, sometimes even in between rounds or in the over-unders. And we can break it down for you in the best ways to where you can potentially win money in so many different ways. So if you guys want to win some money, which we all want to win some money, go to mybookie.ag. Use that QR code right there. Use that promo code Wayne in. We will win you some extra cash. We will at least push you in the right direction. Now you've got to listen to us to win. Also, you can also gamble on all the other sports that are available right now. It's the NFL playoffs. My Chiefs, they play tomorrow night. You guys hopefully enjoy. And there's some other big events as well. So you can gamble on all of these other fights as well as all of these other sports that are available on mybookie.ag. Use that promo code Wayne in. Uh, what is up with your boy dc hi uh, john 
DC. Dog, yep. I got no control over my boys. Man. <laughs> no, no, no. I want. I want to hear you defending your guy in this one because I'm going to eat him up. <laughs> I guess this is why we fight the fight, John. That's why okay. I'm saying. That's what I'm going to say. All right, all right. Uh. I mean, look, I have a question, though. A lot of people in the comment section when they were talking about John Jones, and when we were talking about the Henry Cejudo situation, a lot of people were saying that he's suspending, a t- he's doing a suspension for two years. That's why he hasn't fought. He's really he hasn't suspended. Someone said he was suspended. I, I didn't see anything on it. Okay, okay. Just, I was asking because you would know more about that than I would. Not suspended. Uh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, everyone, like, there was comments in there saying, well, John Jones is serving a two-year suspension anyways. That's why it's, and it's all being hidden under from the UFC. And I'm like, nah, I don't know. They seem the first ones to hang people out to dry. Yeah. So, especially when you're not getting your way with them. They're like, okay, remember this? Well, here, I want you to think about this. Okay, so what is he, what is he serving the suspension for? I don't know. What did he do? He got in trouble, right? For so we're going to say it's drugs? Suspension. We're going to say, oh, he got caught by USADA? You don't think the UFC wants to put it out there that their USADA program act even we even you know do we test everyone and John Jones is suspended because of it they they actually like putting that stuff out yeah they do they usually after the fight though that's <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mark Hunt you're just um, a smart ass no but it's true though John yeah, it's true <clears throat> um yeah you can ask Nate Diaz also well Nate handled um, it correctly yeah Nate did Nate did a great job um, this fight, you don't think he's going to ever be champ. DC doesn't think he's ever going to be champion. Yeah. Anyway. DC doesn't think so because, because DC doesn't like him. <laughs> there why. you go. It's That's very why. unfortunately. And, and like, I, I understand DC, you know, he's, he's going to have his, his point, but it doesn't look right. <clears throat> if you're just sitting there looking at it, here's a guy that, yeah, let's just be honest. He dominated DC when they, when they matched up. Okay, yeah. DC won the heavyweight title, right? Yeah. But the guy who dominated him twice, he can't win it. Really? Okay, so okay, but here I'm going to I'm going to I'm not okay. defending him. I'm not defending All right. him. I'm, not, I'm just asking the question. I want I want to point I want to point something out. I'm gonna point something out here. John was able to John's taller, longer, John can wrestle. We all know John can wrestle. He took DC down. Okay, when you get to the heavy, when you, when you've seen John, who has John had his hardest fights You're against? You're absolutely right. Guys that are of a bigger stature tend yes. to give John more problems. Yep. Guys like now. Alexander Gustafson, guys like Dominic Reyes, guys like Anthony Smith, guys like Thiago Santos. Those are the guys that he has had a more difficult time if you're going to look at it. But okay. then again, you can come back and say, look at the next time that he faced Alexander Gustafson. Yeah. Look, if there's one thing that we know about John, first off, the dude can fight. Second off, the dude, when it comes to being uh, fight IQ and being able to adapt inside of the cage, unbelievable. He's just got it. He's He is incredibly intelligent when it comes to the fight game and how to do certain things and how to make things work for him. He's got a gas tank. We've seen that. He doesn't get that tired because he's able to control his pace throughout. The only time you ever saw him really get tired, you saw him get tired when he when he won the title against Shogun Hua because he was letting it go and he was excited and he was going after it. Kind of got a little tired, but, you know, that was young in his career. I thought he got you tired against a, Gus in the first fight, too. You, you that, take was a a fuck, look. that was a barn burner of a fight. Barn burner of a fight, and he didn't train for it. So, But you take a look at what, you know, is in the heavyweight division 
And yes, if there's one thing that I I would look at, and you have to have some concern, he's put on a lot of weight, and it's how it's not just putting on the weight; it's how do you carry the weight, and how do you actually compete with the weight? That's the question, because you know it's he's going to be you know from what they're saying, he's close to that 265 limit, so he's going to be weighing in close to that 265, and it's yeah. different carrying 265 pounds in a fight than it is carrying 220 pounds in a fight. So that does have some element to it. The power element is also something that John doesn't get hit that much. And it's not, he's not that easy to hit. And all these guys, for the most part, they can't come close to wrestling with him. So he's very good with his wrestling. He's smart with his stand up. This is the guy, if you're going to look and say, who's going to be the heavyweight champion. That's the guy. Yeah, I'm wondering, though, like you said, will he be able to fight a five-round fight carrying all that extra weight? That that's a question. That's a question to be had. Now, all that being said, though, <clears throat> he's also someone that's proven that even when he does have a tough fight, say he, let's just say he does lose to Francis or he loses to Serial. Let's say he does. Now, if that fight does happen and he, does, he ends up losing, he will make the adjustments and he'll, he'll, he'll adjust accordingly. I, I, don't, I don't see why he would go up to 265. All the guys that I've known that have been really good heavyweights, Stipe, uh, Kane, 240. DC, 238, 236, 238, 240, they've all said those are the, that's their prime weight where they feel the best. Yep. They feel fast, but they also didn't have the body that John Jones has. You know, that's another thing to take into consideration, but I still believe that would only probably put on about every 10 pounds. You know, let's just say 10 pounds, you know, and carrying that weight around to keep your speed, to keep your ability to wrestle and not get fatigued using that strength. I've seen guys like, look, Luke Rockhold, he went up to 205. He looked like a Greek god at 205. But when he got in there, you could tell he got tired after a couple takedown attempts. He was like, oh, shit, this is exhausting. You know, because you're trying to lift someone bigger and you're using all the strength, thinking that you're stronger when you really are stronger, but you're you're not utilizing the technique that you have. Yeah. <clears throat> with John, with John, John is good everywhere. He's got to make sure that he keeps the ability to be good with his kicks his spinning back elbows, his you know his side thigh kick, all of those things. He uses a lot of kicks because it's a good range finder for him. It's like having a longer jab for him. And if you can't kick because you start to get tired, like like Giga tonight, okay, when the kicks start to go away, your game starts to change, and then you're in punching range to get hit. That's not where you want to be with Francis Ngannou. No, and so that's no, the not. and that's the point. So the point is the power is still there in the rounds three, four, and five. Maybe it's coming out a little slower. But you can't afford to get tired, you know, and you can't you can't afford to lose your kicks and end up in that boxing range if you're fighting someone like Francis Ngannou. Now, do I think that he'll end up being champion at some point? Absolutely, I think he will. I'm not favoring the DC comment. DC's doing it for DC's doing it for the for the clickbait, ladies and gentlemen. That's what DC does. He does it in the gym too with us, and he gets us all riled up. He's great at that. But at the end of the day, um, <clears throat> I think Cyril Gaon is a perfect matchup for him. I think John was able to just walk right through him i think francis gano is more of the harder fight for him yeah that's so what I. I think the threat of being knocked out john's gonna fight a little bit more cautiously smart he won't be he will not be concerned about getting knocked out by cyril gone nope and he will not be concerned with any part of cyril the ground game none none at all he will not end up underneath him <laughs> no he will not <laughs> uh but overall look like uh, john is just an extraordinary talent Yep. There's just no way around looking at that or talking about it. You cannot say that, you know, it's 
all the other stuff to the side of whatever, how you feel about him, all that, but you can't take away the fact that he's an extraordinary talent. And, um, his fighting ability, his fight IQ is like you said, the way he makes adjustments in the cage and the ability to make the adjustments after he's fought someone and fought them again. When he fought Gus that second time, it was a dominant, dominant performance, you know, and that happens. And that's because he knows how to make the adjustments. He's a very smart individual and very talented, and he knows what he needs to do to get it done. I think the fact that DC says something, that's going to motivate him even more. <laughs> it, it really might. Is. It, it might. really is. Yeah. Yep. Uh, anything else there, Dave? Um, I think that'll wrap us up for today's show. I have a couple other items I'm going to say for the midweek um, or and weighing interjection. Um, so oh, there you sure, go. Be sure Saving stuff. Saving be sure stuff. to tune in for those topics um, in the midweek uh, content we put out. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, guys. Well, hey, we're going to drop a show on Wednesday. We're going to do the full weighing in on the odds uh, for mybookie.ag and use that promo code. So, you guys, make sure you guys watch our show on Wednesday. We'll give you down the full breakdown of that full card. And we'll talk about the over-unders. We'll talk about, you know, what the odds are for each individual fight, especially the ones where they're skewed quite a bit, even if they're on the We'll give you our favorites. And give you our favorites on who you guys should potentially take. Also, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash weighing in. Use that promo code and still... And we should have a new shirt, I think, coming up here pretty soon. What do you think, Dave? What is that shirt available? What do you think? Uh, well, I, I think there, I only submitted it yesterday, which or okay. Friday, whenever that was. So, um, you know, it'll take a few days. Probably not Monday because of the holiday and all that. So, I posted the new uh, shirt logo, or not shirt, it's not a logo. It's a sh- the new shirt design. It's on At The Real Punk on my Instagram. I posted it up on there. You guys can take a look at it. And uh, it's pretty cool, man. One of my buddies who does a lot of work and artwork for some top uh, magazines and graphic designs and all this other stuff. Ooh, there it is. There it is. Podcast Dave will uh, post How that come I have guys. wrinkles? Because you have You wrinkles. don't have one wrinkle. Yeah, but I, I got uh, all kinds of wrinkles. What is up a, with that? Look at He even did my cauliflower. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty impressive. No, he broke it down pretty damn nice. He did. He did so, a great um, job. Yeah, he did. I look so like I'm guys, paying the p- piano. Yeah, if you guys can check him out, he's at at Wayshank. He does a bunch of artwork, and it's also for sale, so you guys can check him out. He does some stuff for Marvel and does some stuff for a lot of other people, uh, DC and some other stuff. So uh, check him out. He's at Wayshank on Instagram, so W-A-Y-S-H-A-N-K, I believe. Yeah, let me look it up for you guys. Make sure. Make sure I'm not misquoting this guy here. Oh, there bad it is. move. Bad move. W-A-Y-S-H-A-K. So his artwork is phenomenal. You guys can check it out. Um, yeah, so that's at Way Shake. Shack, Shake, Shack. There you go. Check it out. Um, John, this was a good show. A lot to talk about. I was happy about it. I think there was, there, you know, the main event was definitely lived up to what we thought it would. Yeah. And um, I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped. We're, now, we don't, do we have, is the fight's this weekend, right? It's the new year. The big fight for the UFC is coming up with the big pay-per-view of Cyril Ghosn and Francis Ngannou. That will be on the 22nd. Then you and I will be working on the 29th. Mm-hmm. So life is getting good. When you guys go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wayne and use that promo code and steal. And if you guys buy a shirt, please post a picture of it and tag us on it. And we will repost retweet do all that and we want to thank you guys so much for supporting our show you guys are why we do this and uh we appreciate you guys man we really do and it's very uh we feel very blessed to be doing this because john and i are having some damn fun up here and this has been great so john go ahead and take us off buddy for everyone out there listening in thank you for tuning in we will see you next week so have a great one be kind and we will see you